hey newbies, from time to time, sometimes we like spit out words that we may have covered before and it's an accident. But if we ever do that and don't explain some of the lingo, you can go to nftsfornewbies.com and get a lingo guide or just an NFT newbie guide altogether. That's going to probably save you some time, uh, maybe save you a DM and just have a reference so that way you can educate yourself on your off time if you'd like. And if you get any of those guides, then you will get our newsletter every week, every Wednesday, that is. And you will see what we've been up to, what we've released and where you can find us. Let's get to the show. Decentralization, cutting out the middleman. This is a concept that you will hear as a newbie and at face value, it seems pretty easy-ish to understand, but do we really get the world of decentralization and what do you need to know before entering into the world of Web3? Look, are you interested in investing or collecting NFTs but are overwhelmed with all the information Heather and I, we're true, true NFT newbies. We're going to break it down as we're learning, as we wander unafraid into the world of digital art. Listen, y'all, we're going to cure you of your FOMO, mildly educate you, and give our unqualified opinions and hopefully have a lot of laughs along the way. What up, newbies? Today, we're going to break down decentralization in three easy steps. And you know, we got segues and we digress all the time anyway, but here, here's what we're going to try to do. What is it? All right. You know, there's more to it than you think. Misconceptions about it. A lot of the shit that we get wrong. And then lastly, the pros and cons that we need to be aware of as newbies learning about Web3. Here's what I want to know, Rich. Before we started the show, before we started learning about NFTs and Web3, what was your history with decentralization? Did you know much about it? How would you have defined it? Where have you seen it out in the world prior? Two cases. In business school, I remember stuff about decentralization. And that there you go. There's my extent. Stuff about it. Like I forgot you have an MBA, right? Yes. You wouldn't know it, though. Not true. Um, and then, and then, decentralization of command is essentially, you know, not leaving it up to just the commanding officer, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he's got his people in certain places, certain regions, and that's kind of decentralization of command. But when it comes to this shit, <laughs> I was like, I don't know anything. Well, Nothing. you knew more than I did because I swear to God, it was the first time I even heard the term when we started. Because I didn't get an MBA; I got a master's in counseling psychology. So we were all up in our fields up in school. But decentralization, um, I didn't really understand this that it's across many different industries. From gosh, I don't even know how to pronounce this. Sesson.org, it says the types of decentralization include political, administrative, market decentralization, et cetera, et cetera. But what does decentralization mean? What's the actual definition from it, richardvocabulary.com? So decentralization is the process of shifting control from one main group to several smaller ones. I went on dictionary.com. It's so funny. We go to like the shittiest.coms <laughs> there are. But anyway, the uh, I, on dictionary.com, the transfer of control of an activity or organization to several local offices or authorities rather than one single one, which I think captures it. Well, you know, your girl went to dummies.com and we go from dictionary to vocabulary.com. Dummies.com, it's the process of moving decision making powers down the chain of command. In a highly decentralized organization, frontline managers and staff often make important decisions. And when I was doing research on this, they were kind of showing diagrams of, you know, 
top-down communication versus kind of a circle where everybody has a little bit of a say. And this is a very oversimplified explanation, but I kind of it made sense to me. They talked about within a business, the act of giving your employees like a subjective decision-making power. I remember I used to work at um, a lot of different retail stores and it was interesting the different with the way the retail stores operated. If somebody came to the counter and had a return, some stores had a very strict return policy and other ones kind of gave their employees a little bit of a um, decision-making power, whether that can be returned or not. And that's a very oversimplified version, but that's that's decentralization. That's giving power to us little lowly clerks at the goodies counter. You know what goodies is? Do you remember goodies? No. Oh, that's, that's supposed to be a Southern... Uh, y'all tweet us if you know what a goodies is. <laughs> <laughs> so like, here's what I'm taking away so far. I'm sure we'll swing this back to how it plays out with the kind of Web3 movement. But it's, this all seems kind of like Allowing other people decision-making abilities in a kind of a leadership or management capacity, right? Not having a leader. But we're talking about the interwebs and we're talking about (laughs) why people are frustrated and we're talking about decentralization in that capacity. So that's from a business standpoint. What about the blockchain? Yes. So Amazon Web Series said, quote, in blockchain, decentralization refers to the transfer of control and decision making from a centralized entity like an individual organization or whatever to a distributed network. This is what's interesting. Check it. Decentralized networks strive to reduce the level of trust that participants must place in one another and deter their ability to exert authority or control over one another. So I liked that line, and I saw that reoccurring in the research. It's reduction of the level of trust. So I don't have to trust an organization or a a leader, et cetera, because all of us have a say in it. And there is a validation process, which you guys, we, we covered in proof of stake versus proof of work. We'll make sure it's linked in the show notes um, of how the blockchain operates. It's moving our trust from an entity to one another. I mean, the entity. <laughs> and here's a hundred percent. And I have an example. Um, I, I think we did a little bit of separate research, but I, I want to read this really quick. Well, let me just ask this. If you are listening to this right now, how much did it cost you to download and listen to this podcast? How much did it cost you to set up your Facebook account? How much did it cost you for your Instagram account? How much did it cost you to set up your Gmail account? Nothing. It cost you nothing. Okay. These are all considered digital identities. All right. Like your profile on all these things and half of the world has them. So I think it was like 3.6 billion people have them. However, these identities are managed and owned by some of the largest and most powerful companies in the world. That's the cost, like our personal, professional and financial data. So that way it's under the control of a large business. So if you get locked out of Facebook, you know, you're not going to talk to a human being when you're like, I can't get in my account. You know, you're not going to talk to a person, you know, ever. There's billions of people on Instagram. So if you get hacked, who are you going to call? So the power rests within them, so to speak, and we have to trust them. So when you said to reduce the level of trust, it's almost like in my mind, it's like to reduce the level of mistrust. Like I'm actually going to trust this spread out network of people, which we're going to get into instead of just this entity who's like the Wizard of Oz and they control all my stuff. 
Hey guys, we're going to take a really quick break to let you know about a course that I went through that I really loved and it's called NFTs Simplified. Now, this is from Sean Spacey, who came out with this really short, easy to digest NFT course to help brand new newbies learn the how and why behind NFTs, how to buy NFTs, what in the world is minting phase, secondary market, a little bit about security. I originally connected with Sean because I loved his graphics and the way that he was able to draw out and literally simplify this whole NFT game. And even being in the space for quite a while and understanding some of these basic concepts when I went through the course, I just loved it and actually learned some things. It's linked up in the show notes. It's NFTs Simplified and it's only 19 bucks. So click over there, grab the course. If you're like me and you need to see things visually drawn out, Sean's going to help you out. Again, that is NFTs Simplified. So we covered right now just what is decentralization. It's a term that is not new. It spreads across multiple industries. And as we know, within blockchain, uh, we just went through what that represents. So to what Rich just said, now we're going to go into newbie misconceptions, which is exactly what at Buddy Scalera said on Twitter is that one of the misconceptions, the big misconceptions, is that Web3 will cost the same as Web2. He says, we all have gotten used to using platforms like Twitter, Facebook for free. Web3 will be paid for in different ways. And I responded. I said, okay, okay, buddy. What you talking about? <laughs> what you what you mean? Elaborate on that. And he responded, we trade our privacy for free services. But again, to your point, it's not free. Data enables targeted advertising, and that's how they make money. Web3 is a different model. Would you pay a nickel per tweet, a dollar to post your dog on Facebook, five bucks to share your health record? What is Buddy talking about here? Well, get get this, Rich. It reminded me, I had this quick flash in my memory of when we interviewed Chris Doe, and he briefly talked about how he talked to a futurist, and she had mentioned something similar about how right now everything's free and it's going to change the model. We'll play that clip right here. So I'm I'm having a conversation with this woman who's like a futurist on the cutting edge of technology. She's really connected to some brilliant, brilliant people. And I think I know what I'm talking about. I walk in the room and like, I know nothing now. I just know nothing. What she was telling me about is that currently with Web2, social platforms own all your content. It's yes. the license you right. sign on to say you own it. Right. When we move into this Web3 and the platforms are gone because quantum computing can then now trace and track and have provenance over every image, every tweet, every video clip that's out there. And then a mass takedown happens because of all this super powered computer stuff, right? So anybody that retweets or uses your content without your permission, because now the blockchain can authorize and, and uh, authenticate every person's work, all that will disappear. So she's like content creators who are creating content today will be in a terribly advantageous position moving into this new space. She tells me it's going to happen within five years. I said, five years? She goes sooner, but I'm just saying five years. So your head doesn't melt. So she's like, you make a tweet. Someone retweets that tweet. You get some money that comes to you. And everybody that retweets that, the money just keeps flowing. And that's how it works. So that's one misconception about Web3 is that to your point, Rich, it's free. It's going to operate the exact same way. Anything else on that point? Yeah, well, why he's saying that about getting paid for tweets or whatever is the the kind of quote unquote unrest, you know, within the web two privacy stuff is all about now owning our digital identities. 
So musicians want to own their music without a label. Artists want to sell their art without a middleman. Athletes want to benefit from their name, image, and likeness without anyone else. Well, creators and people who frequent the interwebs, they want to own their stuff. If you put pictures up from Paris on Facebook, those pictures don't actually actually belong to you. So like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, okay, you have it on your phone, but like they actually belong to Facebook. This is saying in a Web3 world, like if people want access to that, the people who are going to get paid are going to be you, not the platform. And that's what everyone wants. And like, how does that look? I have no freaking idea. That's what this whole thing is about is like, okay, instead of paying them, we're going to pay each other. And I think that's why the rallying cry is, is, is getting stronger and stronger. This was a funny, I, I laughed on this misconception because it's so freaking true. This comes from at Y Sheepes. He says that a big misconception is that automatically anything related to Web3 and the metaverse is decentralized. Most platforms we use for daily Web3 activity are major, majorly centralized. And I thought that was 100%. hilarious because it's true. We're like on Twitter and in Discord and doing all this stuff. And we're like, Web3. And then we're still in Web2. You know, he is. We on Facebook talking about. Yeah. Well, let me just say this one last thing. Like, again, like I have no idea how it's going to to look but the entire premise of everyone being pissed off and wanting decentralization is because you could be the most loyal instagrammer how long have you had instagram i don't even know too long i've had it for i don't know since 2016 i've taken courses i've done this i've had strategies i've tried to get my grid all nice i've done stories i've done ig live i've done everything they've they say to do in order to have a massive following, right? And I'm sitting somewhere around 5K. No matter how loyal I am, they're not rewarding me back. And some people think the reward should be, you know, the following and maybe getting business from it. But if you're creating, Heather, like some of these artists out there, if you're creating, that is actually valuable time that you're putting in and no one's getting rewarded for it, no matter how loyal you are to be on the fucking platforms all the time. That's the whole thing. So like in Web3, that's the difference. Like, and I don't, again, like I can't say it enough. I don't know how it's going to look, but it is going to be a way that we can reward each other in these really crazy ways for all the time we put into content creation. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to move to the very last part, the pros and cons of decentralization pros. I mean, I think that's that's pretty apparent. We've been talking about that a lot on the show. Again, back to that trustless meaning that we aren't putting all of our hope in one person and organization. And hopefully that will that will create a world that is way more accountable and transparent. Any other pros that I missed there, Rich? No, I mean, like the whole peer-to-peer thing is, is strong. It's new and exciting. That's a pro, right? Like it's working towards a solution. That's a pro. But there are some cons, the awesome cons at MM and Youp on Twitter says, um, it's hard to know who you can trust. A different version of a similar problem in the non-DeFi world. No regulation means no resource for bad actors. Many competing standards. How many different blockchains? Redundant calculations for mining on thousands of machines uses too much energy. I mean, we've talked about this before to his point about it's great there is nobody that you can go to. But then when you need somebody, who you go to? We don't know. I would add one that's not on there is just like the blind trust, right? Like, I mean, how many times do we have to refer back to that first time you bought crypto? This is no joke. It's just kind of like, what's going to happen here? 
that sweat, that moment where you're like trembling and you're going to hit enter and be like, should I be doing this? So, yeah, I mean, I think it's the blind trust and the fact that it's going to evolve in so many ways that maybe going all in too early into the belief of decentralization and all its powers can actually be counterproductive until it's a little bit more established. Yeah, and at Family Connection NFT says something similar, lack of knowledge, especially around security. NFT security is a good example. Information is spread over various threads. For beginners, it's hard to give the right information. Listen, this is the Wild West, y'all. And if you've dug into anything about, and we're not going to go in here now, we ain't going to talk about this right now because we need an expert coming in, but quantum computing, all the crap that's coming down the pipeline uh, for this world, things are going to be shifting and adjusting. But I wanted to do this episode because I thought it was important for us to have a very basic understanding of what decentralization is, how long it's been around, how it's on a continuum. Um, It's not either decentralized or not decentralized. It's somewhere on the spectrum. But Rich has a really, let's get away from this. I'm sweating. This was too much information. Let's do something fun. What did you got for us, Rich? So I got this book called One Question a Day, Five-Year Journal. And it says a personal time capsule of questions and answers. Well, if you remember in the beginning of the show, we used to do random questions that had nothing to do with <laughs> shit. And it was called Pod Deck or, or yeah, something deck. So I have this now. And it's just like insane, insane amount of questions. And I am just going to like let the pages Ooh. kind of go. And I'm just going to stop. And here we are. This is for May 22nd, who knows what year, but anyway, what is unique about this chapter of your life? God, there's so many things. Um, I am not doing anything that I ever could have planned or thought that I would be doing. I had such, dude, I had a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. I still have the documents. It's kind of funny, like spreadsheets and docs, a plan for what I was going to do. And very few things from that have manifested like the, in the way that I thought they were going to. But in a weird, indirect way, I'm getting everything that I wanted. So it's like this weird, things are happening. But if you would have told me I would be doing this podcast on this topic, what do you mean? Also, to think being away from family and um, all the friends that I know, we live literally in a city where we don't know many people and we don't have that community. That's really unique and odd. You? Yeah. What's unique about this chapter in my life is I feel unshakable right now. I feel dialed the fuck in. I'm eliminating anything that doesn't bring me closer to my goal or bring me joy. It's it's hard. Like it doesn't even seem like I'm happy about it, but I'm so deeply happy about like arriving to a place you didn't think you could get to. And I know like I'm not even done. So that's what's unique. I've not felt like that in like the majority of my life. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, it, it hurts like to be like, why couldn't I do that sooner? But it doesn't matter. You just got to be like, cool, shit is straight now. Yeah. Let's go. I know you pretty well, and I would say you're you're super happy. And I'm, it's really cool to see. Okay, that's it. Speaking of being super happy, you want to be happy? Go to our Discord. It's linked up in the show notes. And vibe with some cool people up in there. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Central, central, central.